Hey, good morning. Uh, we are getting ready to wrap up uh, today our series uh, the, on pirates. Uh, but before we do that, you and I need to have just a, a moment of a talk. Uh, you, in all likelihood, have experienced the incredible, joyful, unprecedented experience that is our parking lot. And uh, we know that we've got an issue out there, and uh, we are working really hard to try and solve that. Ultimately, the answer, guys, is pretty simple. The answer ultimately is we're going to build another building uh, just south of us. We're going to knock these walls out. We're going to enlarge this auditorium, and we're going to build a ton of parking on this place. But that answer is probably 24 to 36 months away. And you and I have got to figure out what do we do in between then uh, to get ourselves on and off this campus. And we believe that the answer to try and take what is right now for many of us a 15 to 20 minute experience trying to find a place to park and turn it into something that's maybe a three or four minute experience is to separate the parking lots, to have two parking lots on a Sunday so that there's one group of people who've just been in a service and they are leaving off of a parking lot and that the people who are coming to the next service are pulling on to a separate parking lot. Uh, we've all been at Chandler Fashion Center during Christmas time and that's what it feels like out there. So we, we think if we separate it, do kind of Disney-style parking for you, we're going to fix this. Now, here's the deal. That means that as you pull onto the parking lots in coming weeks, you're going to drive by empty parking spaces to get to wherever we're parking that service. You're going to look out uh, your window, and you're going to say to yourself, hey, that's my parking spot over there. That's where I always park. And if you happen to be a Baptist, this is going to make you really angry. Okay? So here's, here's what we're asking. Please, 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 if you would simply cooperate with those that are out there directing you to where to go, we think we can take what is not so pleasant an experience and actually make it work on the deal. Now, you just need to know that your parking crew is right now totally terrified of what's going to happen. Uh, they're afraid that as you uh, begin to do this, that you will become so frustrated, so disappointed with them, that you will begin to salute them in new ways, uh, that you may attempt to run them down. And uh, I have assured them, I have promised them, no, 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 we, w we will not do that. We will completely and happily and with smiles on our faces comply because we know that you're out there to help us. So here's the gist. Starting next Sunday, we are asking everyone, as you come to this campus, would you come down Maplewood to get onto this campus? Maplewood is the road that's on the south side of our buildings. You'll know the road because it's, it's where everyone's, you've seen cars parked up and down that road. Don't come out of Willis, don't come in off, go to Maplewood. And there you're going to find parking attendants that are going to get you exactly where the lot you need to get to. They're going to park you Disney style. We're going to get you in the lots and off the lots, just like that. So if you're a little confused, you don't know where Maplewood is inside of your program. We've got this white card. It tells you where Maplewood is. You might want to put this on your dashboard. Uh, but we believe this is going to help. Now, here's the second piece of this. Uh, you probably have seen, we've already done a little bit of grading out there, trying to smooth some stuff out. We need literally, literally scores and scores and scores of signs to help us be able to do this and to keep some of us from driving in the exits. And uh, so we're trying to get signs and barricades, all the stuff we need out there. Uh, we're, we, we literally need hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of cones, if not thousands of cones, to mark this all off and make it work. 
And then we believe, we've gotten to a moment now because we're pushing parking back, that we've got to offer a shuttle service. And if you're a lady here and you've tried to navigate our parking lots and through that gravel, right now would be an appropriate moment to say amen. Amen. All right. So we know we need to get some shuttles out there. Now here's the just, that's going to take us, for us to fix the parking lot, give us a break for about the next 24 months, it's going to take about $70,000 to get those lots the way they need to get. So I'm asking you for help. I'm asking you, are you mad enough? Are you angry enough to help us fix the parking lots? And uh, if you would help us do that, and again, guys, you got to do this above what you would normally give, just mark it on the envelope, put it on the bottom, of your, whatever you're going to do, let us know it was for the parking lot. Help us fix the parking lots. Uh, we literally have people we know pulling on, circling for 20 minutes, and leaving this place because of how bad it is. That's a bad answer. So help us fix the problem, okay? Uh, we are going to finish up today, uh, wrap up this series uh, that we're talking about uh, in Pirates. And uh, we've been spending the last four weeks, now today the fifth week, uh, just navigating and allowing God to have a conversation with us about our stuff. And we knew that our stuff, our treasures, so to speak, could be our reputation, it could be our kids, it, it could be uh, our time, it could be our money. And we've simply said, hey God, how were we supposed to handle, why did you give this? And uh, God, in the process of that conversation, has had some remarkable things to say to us, things that have absolutely challenged how we have thought about our stuff all the way up until now. And the answer, at the end of the day, is God has been speaking to our hearts. And we know, we, we know deep down inside that God's asking us to reconsider our stuff. We started out in... God said to us simply, hey, you realize you don't own your stuff. That, that everything you have, your reputation, your time, your children, your money, you have that because it came from my hand. I gave you your stuff. And the answer at the end of the day is I never relinquished ownership. It's still mine. And I simply asked you to manage it on my behalf. God also said to us, your heart is really bound tightly around your stuff. Matter of fact, so much so Jesus said, where your treasure is, there your heart, your love will be also. Show me your checkbook, I'll tell you what you love. Maybe more importantly than that, Show me how you use your stuff. Tell me how you leverage your stuff. And I'll tell you what you believe about God. When the chips are down and, and when things are falling short and when, when you're struggling for an answer, which God do you turn to? Are you more confident in a bank account and in paper and ink? Or is your God the God of the universe? Who do you count on for a rescue? Jesus said you'll answer that question by how you handle your stuff. And then, remarkably, he said, you guys get this, right? You're, you're an alien here. You are visiting this world for 80 brief, short years. 
that those of us who know the person of Jesus Christ, those of us who have gotten eternity figured out, you realize this is a dot. It's a moment. And why would you spend, why would you leverage, why would you invest everything in a moment and not send anything on ahead to eternity? Why would you live to only make your pile bigger when you can't take it with you? Why wouldn't you leverage your life, your treasure, your stuff for things that were eternal? Chances are, as we've done this the last few weeks, many of us sitting in this room have gone, wow, <laughs> I get it, I get it. I, I get that how I've lived till now, I get that how I've managed stuff till now probably needs to change. There needs to be a, an, an adjustment. But, but, but here's the problem. It's, it's incredibly impractical for me to do anything right now. Maybe if I get my bills paid off, maybe, maybe if I can get rid of some of my dumb debt, you know what I'm talking about, 23%, I can't remember what I spent it on, debt. And if I could get some of that, maybe after I get ahead of that, then, then, then maybe I could do something. But right now, I mean, it doesn't make any sense. It's, it's a crazy, impractical conversation to even have. If you and I are not careful, if you and I are not careful, we will have had this conversation. Our hearts would have been touched. We would have been challenged. And we'll pull a cane. Let me, let me say that again. If you and I don't take stock of this moment, we will have heard what God had to say. We, we would have known that what we were doing right now was not pleasing to his heart. And instead, because it didn't add up and because you couldn't put it on a ledger sheet, we'll pull a cane. You know what I'm talking about, Cain and Abel. You know, it's a story that you and I know, but you realize that story, second story of the Bible, is a story about two guys and their stuff. And out of that story comes a, a, an absolutely disastrous answer as one brother kills his another brother over jealousy and stuff. And if you and I are not careful, we'll look at this moment and we'll say, I got to do a cane. So grab your Bibles. Let's take a look. Let's, let's talk this morning before we decide. Grab your Bibles. Go with me to the book of Genesis. Genesis is the first book of the Bible. If you can't get there, we're in trouble. Genesis chapter 4. Let me read this for you. Genesis chapter 4, we'll start in verse 1. Here's what it says. Adam lay with his wife, Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother, Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked in the soil. And in the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord. 
But Abel brought fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was cast down. Then the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? Cain, why are you frustrated right now with me? Why, why, why is your face downcast, Cain? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you don't do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you. Get the next phrase. But you must master it. Now, if you're like me, all of my life, I've been told the story of Cain and Abel, and, 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 and here's what I've been told. God liked uh, Abel's offering because he brought and he killed some animals for God. Uh, Cain uh, brought a bunch of vegetables, and God's not a vegetarian, so God said, forget your vegetables. I'm kind of a meat and potatoes kind of God. And uh, so, you know, now what most of us have probably heard is this, that, that somehow, uh, Abel, when he brings the animal sacrifice, that, that that foreshadows the death of Jesus on a cross, the idea that something had to die, and, and that Abel's being obedient, Cain somehow is being disobedient. Here, here's, here's my question about that. Does it say that? As best you and I can tell, there, there's that, that sin offering requirement hasn't even been established yet. It doesn't even hint to that end in the passage. Matter of fact, this isn't even a sin offering anyways. It's a tithe moment. So let me ask you a question. Why does God reject Cain's offering and accept Abel's? Is it possible, is it possible that it's not about what they offered, but instead about how they went about it? Go back to the passage with me. See if, see if you see it. Go to verse 2 with me. Later, she, talking about Eve, gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked in the soil. Verse 3, you ready? In the course of time. You get what they just said, right? After Cain paid his cable bill, after Cain took care of all of his finances, after Cain worked through his last paycheck to see how much was going to be left over and was it going to be all right and make sure that there was a little tucked away for, you know, after the course of time, Cain brought, what's the next word? Some. Some. Not what God had asked for. Not what God had required. What was left over. What hadn't been used up on the family when they came for unexpectedly out of town last week and, 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 and not after they got done buying pencils for the kids for school. and Some. The leftover part. Maybe, 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 guys. It's not about that Cain gave vegetables. Maybe it's about how he gave. 
that caused God so much heartache. Let's talk about that for a minute. After a while, after some time, You get how that happened, right? You, you, you get what was the moment in Cain's life. It's the same moment you and I have. It's the same struggle you and I have. Cain's in that moment going, look, 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 I, I, I can't afford to tithe off the top. I mean, I mean, I'm not sure there'll be enough left at the end of the month. I mean, if I do that, I could put myself in jeopardy. I, I could come up short. I, I'll just wait and see how this paycheck lands. I'll just wait and see after I pay my bills, after Sears is happy, after Visa is satisfied, after I'll, after I navigate my month after a little while we'll see. We'll see, what you ready? What I can afford to give. Guys, you get how after a while works, right? You get how much you and I are going to have left after a while. You're going to have exactly what I have left after a while. Here's how after a while works. You and, you and I get started with our month, and we go, you, you, you do not even want to know the bills. You do not even want to know. I mean, probably not the greatest place to have myself, but I know it. I, man, I am leveraged. If I were going to tell the truth today, Lynn, I, I, I put bills on the shelf at the end of the month, hoping to maybe pay a little bit on them next month and then not pay some others and so not get mad. And I mean, that's, that's, ooh. See, because here's the deal. I mean, I, I sit there, I have to pay the cable company, and I've got to pay the phone company, and there's electric bills, and there's the kids' lunches, and gas for the car. And I mean, before, before I even start, just all the little stuff that goes on, I mean, I'm half done. And then, and then we, we haven't even talked about my big stuff. We, we haven't even talked about a mortgage, you know, on, on my house. And we haven't even talked about a couple car payments to go on top of that. And, and, and then, I mean, I've got credit cards, 20-something per, I mean, you gotta pay those things off, right? <laughs> I mean, this isn't, this isn't brain surgery. Before you even start the month, this doesn't work. And then, and then you're, you're sitting in here and we're talking about tithe? We're talking about 10%? This, let's just be real. Let's just be, you ready? Practical. Can I tell you that God is not a big fan of practical? Can I, can I tell you that God is not a big fan of it adds up? That the greatest moments of God have been when his people have been willing to be impractical. You say, Lynn, are you telling me to be reckless? Yes. If God asks you to be reckless, be reckless. Be impractical. Guys, if David had waited to be practical, he'd have been sitting around till someone invented the bazooka before he went after Goliath. 
If Daniel was being practical, he would have been a secret agent believer and he'd enlisted himself in some classes for lion taming. If Jesus was being practical, he would have kept appealing and appealing the decision until they invented lethal injection. And here's what God would say to you and me. This isn't about it all adding up. This isn't about it making sense. This isn't about a bottom line. He's saying, I'm asking you to make me first. I'm asking before you pay any other bill, before you do anything else, before you say to me, wait a little while, and God, I'll give you my leftovers. Give to me. And when you do that, when you do that, you'll be saying out loud, you are not the God of leftover. You're the God of first. I love you more than anything else. I trust you more than anything else. And even though I don't know how the rest of it works, you're number one. And then God says, hey, I get it. You, you've got to pay the mortgage. You, you've got to take care of car payments. I get it. You've got charge cards. But he simply says, Will you make me first and see what I do with the rest and see if I don't amaze you with what I do with the rest? Because the answer at the end of the day is that God is not a God of in a little while. Second thing. Not only did God say, okay, I mean, did Cain say, okay, God, you know, in a little while, after I figure this out, after I see where it lands, after it makes sense to me, after I can add it up. When he finally got there, you got the moment, right? He's sitting in church. He pulls out his wallet. And he goes, oh, my, oh, my goodness. What is wrong with my wife? She's, how many pairs of shoes does a woman need? My kids must have robbed my wallet. And so in that moment, you know what he does, right? He gives some. He gives what's left over. And you would say to King King, what's, what's the rest of that in your wallet? He said, well, that, that's the rest of the week. That's till the next paycheck comes. Anybody here know what God thinks about some? How God feels about being the God of leftover? Grab your Bibles. And guys, get ready because we're going to look at multiple passages. You're, you're going to want to be sure this is what the Word of God says and not my opinion. 
So grab your Bibles. We're going to go to the book of Malachi. How many of you guys know where Malachi is? You liars. You do not. All right. All right. So let me help you. Go to the New Testament. Find the book of Matthew. Okay? Matthew. Go one book to the left. It's the last book of the New Testament. It's this book of Malachi. Malachi, chapter 3. Can I just warn you before we get there, God's pretty sure he doesn't want to be the God of leftover. Here's what he says. Malachi chapter 3, verse 8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how, how do we rob you? In tithes and offerings. Isn't that interesting? Tithing's not where you get to. Tithing's where you start, because God says, and then after that, there's offering. You are under a curse, the whole nation of you, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have enough room for it. You get what God said? God said, when you make me the God of leftover, of this is what I still have, he says, you robbed me. And if you choose to rob me, I'll curse. Okay, guys, guys, guys. This isn't, this isn't Bible. This is Lynn, okay? But I think, I'm, I think I'm on. I believe that every person in this room ties I believe you do. The difference is some of us put it in an offering plate and some of us tithe to the dentist. Some of us tithe to our auto mechanics. Some of us tithe to the air conditioning repair man. Because here's what I hear. See, I'm just thinking the God of the universe, when he looks at you and me and says, look, 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 you're robbing me. I, I don't think he's sitting in heaven going, I don't know what to do next. I, they're not giving me what I asked. And, oh. See, I think, I think God says, oh, hey, I, we can figure this out. You can either give this freely in the offering plate, or I'll just make sure you tithe, because your tires are going to wear out quicker than everybody else's. Your, your teeth are going to rot in your head. You're, you're going to have medical expenses, and, and I'll get tithe. See, some of us are in here putting our tithe in the offering plates. Others of us are in here, and God's out in the parking lot scraping our tires right now. But I'm pretty sure we tithe. Do you know that one reason some of us in here are in the spot we're in and in a place where it goes, just seems incredibly ridiculous and crazy to give to God? One reason that we're so tight and under stress in this is because we haven't given yet. That it's our lack of giving that's caused us to be where we are. I won't make you turn there, but let me just read this to you. It's in the book of Haggai. It's just a couple books over, and some of you may want to look at this later, make sure that it's there, but it's Haggai chapter 1. This is God talking about this idea of giving. Here's what he says. You expected much, but see, it turned out to be little. What you brought home, I, you ready for this, blew away. 
Why, declares the Lord Almighty? Because of my house, which remains in ruin, while each of you is busy with his own house. Therefore, because of you, the heavens have withheld their dew and the earth its crops. I called for a drought on the fields and on the mountains and on the grain and on the new wine, on the oil and whatever the ground produced of men and cattle and on the labor of your hands. You get what he's saying? Look, look, look. He's saying, hey, you realize the reason you don't have right now is because you didn't give. And because you didn't give, I said, look, then don't rain. Crops don't grow. Don't bless the people of God if the people of God aren't faithful. Now, how do you reverse that? You don't reverse that by saying, God, give us new crops, give us more, and then we'll tithe. You reverse that by saying, God, I'll give, and then I'll believe you to send the rain. I'll believe you to bless my faith. And guys, this is the moment, this is the issue that absolutely separates the people of Cain and those who come to understand giving. Two principles, two things. If you don't get out of here with anything else today, if you get out of here with this, this will change you. Two things that every believer ought to know about giving. Ready? Here we go. Giving is like sowing seeds. Giving is like being a farmer. Grab your Bibles one more time. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians. It's going to be to the right in your Bible. Chapter 9, verse 6. Here's what it says. Remember, 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 remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap how? Sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Now some of you are going, well, right there. I'm out of it. I don't have to give. I can't give with a cheerful heart. God wouldn't want my money. Good try. The cheerful heart comes after I give and after God shows up. You'll, if you wait for a cheerful heart, you'll never give. And God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Catch the moment, catch the moment. Here's what Scripture is saying. Scripture is saying, look, look, I get it. I get that this is the opposite of what you believe. I get this is the opposite of what your heart tells you. But catch the moment, God says, because I am telling you, giving is like farming. You get what you sow. Imagine the moment. Imagine you walk to a farmhouse. And as you are approaching, you realize all the fields are bare there's not a plant growing. You get to the farmhouse, walk inside, meet the farmer, and you say, hey, what's, what's going on? Your fields are empty. And he says, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm scared to death. I'm, I'm convinced that if I were to plant my seed, if I were to sow the fields, I might not get anything back. So I've got my little bag of seed here. We're grinding it into flour. We're going to eat pancakes till we die. And you'd say to that farmer, 
That is completely illogical. Farmers know, plant your fields. Matter of fact, plant every square inch of your field because you'll always get back more than you plant. So here's the thing, guys. If you and I were to catch this moment, you and I would stop being terrified that we might accidentally give God too much and we would be more worried that we weren't giving enough. Because giving is like sowing. Second principle. Not only is giving like sowing, there's the principle of measure. One more time. Last verse we're going to ask you to look at. Luke chapter 6. It's going to be to the left in your Bible. Luke chapter 6. Luke chapter 6, verse 38. Here's what it says. The principle of measure. Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. Will it be poured into your lap? Catch, catch the, the thought. God is saying, look, look, when I give you, and, and, and when you begin to receive from me, and think back to the culture, they're all wearing robes. He's saying, it'll be poured into your lap. And the picture that you and I are supposed to get is this: God begins to bless us back, that there's so much there that you and I have to take our garment hold it up, and he fills our laps full of his blessing. And then he tells us how. Ready? For with the measure that you use, it will be measured to you. Get the moment. However you give to me, God says, that's how I will give back to you. Okay, here's, I need a volunteer. Who will volunteer for me? Come on, here you go. Yep, come on. You're doing good. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay, here we go. All right. Always want to help. All right. Here we go. You stand over there. Okay. You're bigger than me, so we're going to let you be God. Okay? All right. Now, here's the deal. You better be a, do a good job being God, or we're going to stone you after this is over. Okay? So okay. be a good God. All right, here's the deal. Scripture says, God says, look, with the very same measure that you give to me, to God, I'll give back to you. So, God says, if you give to me with a spoon, okay? God says, I'll give back to you with a spoon. No, no, you got to, because it's good measure, heap together, okay, and give back to me. Okay, totally cool. Okay, so, here we go, here we go. You're doing great. Catch the moment, catch the moment here. If I was smart, if that's true, God says, the way you give to me is the way I'll give to you. If you and I get this, we stop giving spoons. Isn't that fun? Okay, God, give me back better. There you go. Kind of heap together. There you go. There you go. Okay. Is that just an amazing principle? Is that just totally cool? But, but, okay. You're messing up my hair. Here's what I'm thinking. If I was really smart, 
I wouldn't give to God in a cup. Is that totally cool? So, okay, God, give me back. Oh. <laughs> With the ball. You can take your seat again. You get the moment, right? But that moment terrifies you and me, doesn't it? Because the thing that, the thing that gets us is, is God says you give first. Not after a while, not your leftover. Give to me first and see what I'll do back. As a matter of fact, so much so, you ready for this? God says, I, I know you're struggling with this. I, I know this freaks you out. So here's what God says. Test me. Test me. Test me and see if I'm faithful. See if I'm true. See if I will show up. Test me. Did you know, did you know, think about this. In all of scripture, guess how many other times God says, test me? None. This issue, this issue is so important to the heart of God that this is the only issue he ever says to a believer, test me. You know why? Because God knows that if he's not Lord of your stuff, he'll never be Lord of your life. God knows that if you're counting on your bank account to rescue you and save you and be the thing that comes through for you when times get hard, he knows. This isn't the only area of your life that you'll wrestle with him. You'll wrestle with every single other issue in your Christian walk. And so he says, test me. Test me and see. I got to thinking, I thought, all right, all right, all right. Here's what, we'll do. Here's what we could do. <laughs> I could offer everybody at Cornerstone a 60-day tithing money-back guarantee. <laughs> tithe for 60 days. If God doesn't show up, I'll refund your tithe. And I, I, you know, I, was, I was going with it. I'm going, okay, that'd be cool. That'd be totally cool. I'll do that because here's the deal. Here's the deal. I knew God would show up. I know the answer because I'm a tither. And then I got to thinking, if I do that, I'll be playing God. If I do that, the people of Cornerstone won't have faith in Jehovah. They'll have faith in their pastor. That's the wrong answer. So I'm left here today to simply say what God said. Test me. Test me and see if I'm God.
See if I'm true. See if I'm faithful. See if I'm bigger than paper and ink. Now, some of you are going, well, then, I, I get it. I'm there. My heart's there. I don't know how to get there. I mean, you, you just don't even know. You don't even know. Okay, so let me give you a couple of practical things, okay? This is, this, this is my effort, our effort to help you out. So let me give you a couple of practical things that we can do from here. Number one, could you and I, could we, this isn't Bible, this is practical to help you obey the Bible. Could you and I work toward 10, 10, 80? Could you and I say, okay, look, I'm going to tie 10% right off the top. I'm going to do that faithfully. I'm going to trust God for that. I'm going to test him and see. Could you and I begin to work toward, and I know most of us aren't there, but could you and I begin to work toward another 10% that you and I save? That you and I say, look, I'm, I'm just going to have another 10% of my life beyond the tithe that is margin so that God could come to me and say, hey, I have a missionary that needs help. I have a need that you could, an orphanage you could give to, or that God could just say, hey, go buy a big screen TV. It's okay because you have margin. Could I have 10% margin in my life that gave God room to talk? 10% tithe, 10% that's just margin. Unforeseen medical bill comes, I've got 10% margin. And then live on the 80%. And I get that we can't, but could we work toward that? That the people of God would have margin. Okay? Second thing. Inside of your program today, I gave you a budget. Okay? Would you care about this enough? Could this be important enough to us that we would fill out a budget? Because here's probably the answer. I'm guessing that the vast majority of people, you don't have to feel bad because the vast majority of people in this room do not have a budget. We have a mystery budget. Okay? And you know what? There's a lot of things in this world that need to be mysterious. Okay? What a woman is thinking at any given moment. That can be mysterious. Okay? But not a budget. Okay? No mystery here. Okay? I was watching Dr. Phil, great theologian, Dr. Phil. <clears throat> he was helping a family with the same thing, asked them to do a budget. They came back after doing a budget. He looked at him and he said, I love your budget. You wrote down every single thing you spent money on for 30 days. He said, if I got one question, where did the mystery $700 go? And they said, what are you talking about? He said, you wrote down this last month everywhere you spent every single dollar but you've got $700 that went through your hands in the last 30 days and you have no idea where it went. If the children of God are saying to God, I cannot afford to give, shouldn't we first have captured the mystery dollars that slipped through our fingers and we have no idea where they went? Right? Okay. So would you, could you do this? We've got packets at the back. If you've never built a budget before or need some help, talk about percentages. How much should you be spending on a home? How much should you be spending on car payments based on your income? We've got those packets that will help you build a budget if you've never done that before, if you need help doing that. We are going to be offering, starting on the 31st of this month, four classes to help you get on top of your finances. Four one-hour classes. You can sign up for those today by in your card to saying, I want to be in the financial class. Four weeks. We've got small groups starting that are going to go 12 weeks because some of us in this room are going, Lynn, you don't even know how bad it is. Small groups, you can go to the table today, 12 weeks. Here's the last two things I'm going to ask you. What if, could we go to the website, on the website, online giving? What if you and I signed up for online giving and just simply said, before I ever touch my money, before it ever hits my hands, before I can say to God, wait a little while, I'm going to give to him first. 
What if? Some of us have online auto bill pay. What, what if, that, that's what I do. Boom. First check. Boom. What if you and I simply did before it even comes to my hand so I don't even have to worry about making a decision? Boom. I do that before the Lord. I get that this is a scary conversation. I get it. But somewhere the people of God have got to decide, is God the God of wait a little while and I'll give you what's left? Is that really the answer I want to give? Let's pray. You get the moment. Most of us have spent a lifetime pulling a cane, saying to God, look, 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 at the end of the month, after I pay my bills, after Visa is happy, in a little while, I'll figure out what I can afford to give you from my leftover. And you realize that in that moment, you and I give an answer. We say something incredibly profound to our God. Dear Lord Jesus, just would you hear our hearts this morning? You are not, you are not, you are not the God of leftover. You are not the God of wait and see what I can afford. God, you're the love of our hearts. You are the savior of our souls. first in our loves and we're just ready we're, we're ready to step up to the moment we're ready to say we have far far too long sent you exactly the wrong message said to you exactly the wrong thing never again Never again will you be the God of what's left and what I can spare. You will be my God of first place. God, would you just wait and see what your children do next? In Jesus' precious name.